Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, happy Thanksgiving if we're talking about uh, my favorite holiday. It includes food, football, family, and in this case, Matt Baker, uh, who joins us now. And Matt, happy Thanksgiving to you. We've got lots of college football to talk about. May not be so much of a happy Thanksgiving at the Dan Mullen household. Um, they've got some some things to uh, to probably uh, regret, but nonetheless, we've talked about it for weeks. The University of Florida finally pulled the trigger. You were there at the at uh, the Missouri game, uh, and uh, that did not go uh, well for Dan Mullen. He doesn't get a chance to coach this Saturday against Florida State, so. In the end, uh, what was the final uh, proverbial nail in the coffin, as they say? Hey, well, first of all, I appreciate you having me on, and happy Thanksgiving to, to all of you uh, for listening and everything. Um, the final nail in the coffin was all of the other nails that had happened. It, it was a confluence of events and a series of missteps really over the last four years. Um, you know, Dan had said at various points this season, basically you're never as high as it, you know, it's never as good as it seems or as bad as it seems. So when you kind of start parsing that out and thinking about it, there were some cracks and some issues that were there a while ago that it was easy to overlook when you got Kyle Pitts and Kyle Trask and Kadarius Tony. I mean, particularly recruiting, there's, there's not a, a ton of young talent on this team. I mean, they're not schmucks. I'm not saying that, but there's not a lot of dudes either. And it was easy to overlook that when you've got a, a first round tight end and a first round receiver and, a, and a, a, an NFL quarterback. But when those guys left, there were some issues. Um, I think there were issues with accountability for sure. Starting at the very, very top with Dan Mullen himself. You look at some of the ways he excused and, and, poo-pooed losses uh be it kind of looking the other way you know look at uh, let's let's pack the swamp after texas a&m and uh, him saying that you know he, i wasn't trying to, to start anything i didn't start anything in the, with the missouri fight i was just trying to get my guys out of there like that didn't make sense at the time that's not what i saw with my own eyes but that's what he said and you know, losing to Oklahoma the way they did in the Cotton Bowl and saying that was the that wasn't the 2020 team it was a kickstart to 2021 all those things, those little things kind of add up. And I think there were some clear issues with attention to detail. Um, there's a reason Florida, you know, made a lot of the plays the first couple of years in close games. And then uh, the past two years, they were not making those uh, plays. And it's a little thing here and there. Uh, the blocked field goal against Kentucky, missed extra point against Alabama, on and on. And, and finally, what it showed up with on Saturday was um, – a defense that never fixed the run game. They, they showed progress at times, and then Missouri's running back runs for 102 yards in the second half. You see an offense that kind of struggled with an identity, an offensive line that still wasn't great. Um, quarterback who is fine, but you know they could have had Matt Corral, who's a Heisman Trophy candidate at, at Ole Miss, but Dan chose Emory Jones, and, and that was that. And then at the, the very last play, 
was kind of fitting for the way the Mullen tenure went the last two years. Um, you know, uh, Missouri, to their credit, uh, chose to go for the win with a two-point conversion in overtime. Slipped a tight end out from right to left. Gators didn't cover him, so it was a blown coverage. That's what did ultimately did Dan Mullen in. And I think anybody who watched Florida over the last two years saw a lot of those types of things. So it was fitting that that was that was the nail in the coffin, Rick. You know, it's interesting, and I don't know Mullen uh, personally, okay? And and sometimes, you know, what we see come across the, the, the TV screen is not really uh, who who somebody is. Um, but there seemed to be some hubris with him, you know? Some? Uh, yeah, I, and I know this, I'm the master of I, I'm, understatement. I'm going to get myself in trouble here. I, sh- I shouldn't. I shouldn't. No, I want you to I say what nice. you think. No, go, go on, go on. But go you, you, you can you can uh, criticize the host. This is not a this is an open dialogue here. We don't you know uh, a lot of hubris, obviously. But but I think my point is is that even going back to Mississippi State, and I thought he did an unbelievable job. And, and I know Starkville. I've you know I've been there. I played against them in baseball. It's not the same thing. But football, my goodness. Well, you talk about an uphill climb, um, you know, when you're going against the likes of Alabama every year. So, you know, for him to have accomplished what he did there was was more than uh, noteworthy. But he did have a quarterback that was pretty good. And you give him credit, all the credit in the world for helping to develop him. Um, but, you know, now Dak Prescott is Dak Prescott. And we know now, uh, you know, that, that, that he could make a program uh, shine. And again, Mullen found him, developed him, all that. But then he comes to Florida, and his claim to fame at Florida, having been there, he was part of Urban Meyer's staff. And there's some hubris with Urban Meyer too. <laughs> and so, you know, uh, you tend to you tend to pick up some of the best and worst, uh, you know, habits of of the guys that uh, that you work for. I think at times, I just never felt like, you know, you got the feeling that P- that Mullen was a whole lot of sizzle and not a ton of steak. And 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 and, and I don't I don't I, I guess that sounds, you know, being critical of him, but you know, he acted like he had accomplished more than he did even when he was at Florida. You meant you mentioned the whole, you know, the fight thing and and uh you know, I thought, you know, the ultimate walk off was the Missouri coach, you know, doing the Darth Vader oh, routine because we saw that a year ago. I mean, he was he was prepared for that one, right? Um but that was embarrassing. You know what I mean? Like you don't you know, you don't have to blow your own horn if you're good, right? Everybody else will play Louis Armstrong for you. I mean, they, they know when you're good. I just felt like Mel- Mullen was always selling something. He was selling why they lost. He was selling why they're going to be better. He was selling, you know, uh, you know, the New Year's Day games and, and you know, that sort of thing. Um, but in reality, I don't think that he his players responded to him. I, I and, and we know... You've documented this, that the recruiting just wasn't there. I mean, you know, once those three players went to the NFL, they suddenly were not very good. Um, there weren't any guys coming up from behind them. So, yeah, it just – it always seemed to me like, you know, and you put it well, look over here, don't look there, right? Like, there was no there there. I mean, at the end of the day, the other teams beat them because they were better and they were better prepared, and he couldn't – he could not – win his way out of this and it's it's shocking in a sense that if you'd have told me at the beginning of the year dan mullen was going to be fired i would have been really surprised but having watched it it, i think you put it well it was slowly and then all at once you know i mean that's that's kind of the way his his career went there yeah it it was 
stunning and unsurprising at the same time. Like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I had been planning just to peek behind the curtain. I think some people kind of like that. I had been planning for this for a while, just I, as a as a writer, as a reporter. I mean, spoiler, yeah. like I had a story written, I think it was after South Carolina. Um, I drove, yeah. you know, I, I talked about it the other week uh, during the Samford game. I was driving to Florida State, Miami. I get to uh, up in the press box in FSU. Um, I, I briefly say hello to, to my colleagues and uh, put my head down and I'm watching the game and, and freshening up the obituary on his uh, Florida mm-hmm. tenure. And I, you know, I was in at Missouri and, uh, late Saturday night, early Sunday morning, I sent my bosses, uh, rough, you know, the latest version of the obituary for his, for his tenure in case it happened. Yeah. Uh, You know, I, it happened literally on my flight as I was flying back. Um, Mm -hmm. I I paid the $8 for the Southwest Wi-Fi, and I'm trying to get my, my, get it to work on my laptop and I can't. So I pulled my phone and. All right, let's see if there's anything going on. Oh, oh, okay, it happened. All right, uh, now what? Um, so I, I, I say that because I, I was prepared because I knew there was a chance for it. But like you said, if you had told me two months ago, I never would have thought it. It's just right. that there were there were little issues. Um, Pat Dooley uh, used to be for the Gainesville Sun, and um, yeah. he asked Scott Strickland a question during the news conference the other day. And basically said it was the problem that Dan didn't get enough Florida level players. And here I want to read you part of Strickland's response here. People look at losses as a cause to get rid of a coach, but a lot of times the things, the, a lot of times the losses or things that don't go right on the field, those are symptoms of other issues. And again, those issues are recruiting, which uh, you know kind of piled up to where they don't have a lot of dudes, to where. Yeah. Uh, they had to bring in three transfers, immediate transfers at defensive tackle because they hadn't developed anybody there. It shows up where, you know, they, they went from having Van, you know, they, they brought in Van Jefferson as a transfer his first year. And you know, that was a great addition. Um, and, and Trayvon Grimes from Ohio State. But then you look at the receivers they had with Josh Hammond in the NFL, Freddie Swain in the NFL, Tyree Cleveland in the NFL, Kadarius Toney in the NFL, Kyle Pitts at tight end in the NFL. And now you look in... There's not a lot. There's not like a couple great receivers that you can point to. Maybe some of them will get there, but the you know Florida should have receivers, and they don't have great receivers. The offensive line didn't develop the way they wanted it to, or the way it should have, because they didn't recruit enough high level offensive line. Um, Florida is supposed to be. I, I hate the whole we're a DBU kind of thing. I, I, that's one of the things that drives me crazy. But Florida should have good defensive backs. But two years in a row, their secondary has been prone to breakdowns. Um, again, like the one that that uh, was the fatal straw um, Saturday against Missouri. So it was just a bunch of things that led into it. And, and yes, I do think um, Dan Mullen's arrogance is part of it. Um, there will be <laughs> this isn't just like something that came out of the blue. No, there there were people in that building who would would tell you repeatedly he was the smartest guy in any built in any room he ever walked into. Um, that was something that rubbed people wrong at Mississippi State. Um, you know, I, I, it's easy to look past that in Starkville when, you know, he's the second winningest coach they've ever had. Uh, but it's different at Florida. Look, look the, the crowning achievements for both of them were going to the Orange Bowl at Mississippi State and Florida. Yeah, it's one th- I, I, That's a great job at Mississippi State. At Florida, you're supposed to go to the Orange Bowl. That's you're right. supposed to do better than that. And and Dan didn't. And ultimately, that's kind of what did it in. It he wasn't he wasn't winning at a high enough level. 
Um, and, and it's one thing to have a down year. It's another thing to have a down year with nothing you can point to other than Anthony Richardson, whatever his status is, to say, this is how it's going to get better. You can't point to uh, continued improvement over the season. There wasn't any. You can't point to great assistants that are going to come because you don't know that that's going to happen. You can't point to young players that are getting developed. There's not enough of them. You can't point to recruiting and guys who are going to come in because they're not there. And you add all that stuff up to where there was no, there was no real hope that you could see for, for Dan Mullen getting to the point where they're going to beat Georgia next year or the year after that. And at that point, Scott Strickland woke up Sunday morning, saw that, and, and, and made a move. Well, we can spin this forward a little bit and speculate as we uh, are taping this on Thanksgiving <clears throat> Eve, um, and that is a couple things. One, obviously we want to know, you know, who the bu- who the bucks who the who the ga- this is where my mind is who the gators are likely uh, to hire in other words what what pool of candidates um do you think that they will draw from and then and then along with that how good is this university of florida football job i mean look um you know you're in the, you're in the state of florida the, there's so many players and 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 the university has so many resources that they're able to give dan mullen 12 million dollars to not work for them um, so, you know, with a new, uh, football facility, all that stuff, there's, there's really no excuses, um, but they still need to get the right guy. And, and, and I was talking to a coach who's pretty well known and, and Matt, you know who I'm talking about when mm-hmm. I asked him if he were a candidate and what he told me is no chance. And I think this guy would be a good candidate. He says, they're going to get a big name. Do you see a big name or, or what, what kind of a coach, who are the, who are the prospects out there that you think they'll draw from? Let's start with the big picture here. How good of a job is it? It's yeah. a top 10 job in the country. That's okay. At least that. Um, they haven't invested the way they've needed to to keep up with the Joneses. But that's changing. I mean, it was 2015, I think it was, is when they opened the indoor, which is it's a fine indoor. It's 100 yards. There's a roof over it. It does the job. Uh, I'm not a big facilities guy. Um, yeah. And then you, you look, and, and the uh, $85 million um, Hevener um, training complex, whatever it's called, their football center is going to open at some point next year. I can't remember if it's spring or summer, but some point before the, the, um, before the 22 season begins, they'll have this new football facility that they can use to try and sell recruits and to maximize efficiency and, and all that sort of thing. So they're getting better in the infrastructure. They're catching up. They're not, they're not like where Alabama is, but they're, you know, it's getting to the point where facilities should not be a major liability the way it has been. Um, you look at some of the other stuff, though. I, I can also say, too, the last three coaches have all been fired, yes, and, and Muschamp and McElwain and Mullen. But they've all had some level of success, right? I mean, um, Muschamp went to the Sugar Bowl. And what were they? Uh, 11 and 2. Um, McElwain won back-to-back SEC East titles. The East was down. It wasn't what it what it is now. Georgia's not the, the superpower it is. But still, you, you go to the SEC championship two years in a row. That's something. And then Dan obviously had two top ten finishes and, and three straight New Year's Six Bowls and, and won two of them. That's something, too. Um, the problem is, as, as Strickland said, the AD, they couldn't sustain that level of excellence. And that's the expectation. That's the standard. There's really a handful of schools in the country that can do that. Or say they could, say they do that. Georgia, Alabama, uh, Clemson, Ohio State. 
Notre Dame, maybe Oklahoma. It's probably about it. Maybe you can argue a couple others in there too, Oregon. Um, so it's really, really hard to do. But Florida is realistically one of the schools where that it should happen, um, especially right now with FSU and Miami both being not very good. Um, Florida should expect to be a premier program because that's what they are. And the next coach needs to understand those expectations and needs to figure out a way to, to meet them, starting, of course, with, with recruiting. Because um, if you don't have the dudes, it's not going to happen. So the other part, who can you get? Um, the big name thing is interesting because it kind of depends on what you consider a big name. Um, we'll start with the latest again as we're talking 423 on Wednesday. Uh, Bob Stoops told an Oklahoma radio station, shout out to, to my friends at the Sports Animal out there, um, that he is not a candidate. Cross him off the list. James Franklin, I, I know how much you love James Franklin and his game management uh, abilities, Rick. But sadly, he's not on the list either. He's uh, took Yay. a ten-year. <laughs> yeah, he's he's he signed a, a ten-year extension uh, for uh, like seven and a half million a year, depending on on how you do the math. Um, so he's not in the mix either. So the question is, who? The name again, as we record this, things are fluid. The name that uh, everybody's chattering about is Billy Napier at Louisiana Lafayette. Um, I think he would be a very, very good hire. Um, he's a, w- worked under Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney, um, so he knows what a high-level program looks like. Uh, I think he's thirty-six and or thirty-three and five, something like that. The last three years at Louisiana Lafayette, um, they had zero ten-win seasons before he arrived there. He has won at least ten each of the last three years. Uh, they got a chance to win the Sun Belt. Next weekend, they're hosting that game. Not this weekend, but next. Um, so I think he is kind of the, the leader in the clubhouse. Um, I, I haven't heard a ton about Lane Kiffin here lately. Um, I don't know that Kiffin would be the right cultural fit for Florida, but I think <laughs> he'd be he'd be interesting. Um, Matt Campbell at Iowa State is a name that's kind of come up a little bit more. When, when you look at the just the the landscape as a whole. There's three premier jobs in, in LSU, USC, and Florida, but there's not a ton of great candidates. You know, Luke Fickle, it seems like he's going to stay at Cincinnati. Um, Mario Cristobal has a $9 million buyout if somebody wanted to get him from Oregon. Is it possible that Mario leaves? Maybe. And, and honestly, he would be my top choice, but that's certainly not a given. And if he's not in the mix and Luke Fickle's not in the mix and Franklin's not in the mix and Bob Stoops isn't in the mix, and there's still those three premier jobs. So I say all that to say that it's possible that this is the time where, where Matt Campbell wants to jump because one of these three big jobs that's open, maybe he seems to be one of the top guys there. Um, and I guess the other kind of, I don't know how to call him a wild card, but Bill O'Brien, the Alabama offensive coordinator, you know, they've got a top 10 scoring offense there this year. He did a good job at Penn State, maybe better than good, uh, his couple years there uh, after the um, Sandusky scandal and, and um, uh, Joe Paterno's departure. So uh, I think, you know, maybe he's a guy that gets in the mix. Um, it's just kind of a, a wild card in there as well. You know, I'm just going to say this. I, I, I'm sure Billy Napier is a great coach. He's probably better than a great coach. And, and somebody will be damn proud and, and successful to have him. Doesn't do anything for for me, and I can't imagine he'd do a lot for a recruit unless he's just dynamic in somebody's living room. And even then, I mean, let's face it; these kids can go anywhere and be on TV. They can go anywhere, and you know, 
the old saying, right? They they could tell you what the Oregon uniform combinations are, you know, before they could tell you what Florida wears. I mean, I just when did sexy die? You know what I'm saying? Like at the University of Florida, you go back and you go, okay, Will Muschamp. First of all, we got to get through the M's, don't we? We got to stop with the M's. Correct. Then 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 McElwain, he's you know he's moving up, right? He's a guy coming from a Logan Color. He's moving up. Dan Mullen. Well, he was at Florida guy, you know, it was the herb, and, and look at the job he did, moving up. At least he was in the SEC. I mean, you reach for a guy that's not a power five head coach, and you're going to tell me that that's, that's going to turn the tide? I mean, boy, you better be right, you know. I, I, would, I would much, if I were a Florida booster, and God knows I'm not, um, but I would want a track record this time. I would want, and not that Mullen didn't have it at Mississippi State because he did, and I, I don't, I don't, I understand that hiring. That hiring made sense to me at the time. <clears throat> um, the performance didn't match it, but man, I need, I need some flash here. You know what I mean? Like I need some name recognition. And the one thing I'll say about Matt Campbell is we all know who he is, and he's been successful. Um, and so that that makes sense to me. Bill O'Brien, I mean, he may not be everybody's cup of tea. There's no doubt about that. But guys in the guys coming to the to the universities right now, they they want to get to the league. And Bill O'Brien was in the league and he won there. His failure was as a GM. It seems like if you've gone through the Alabama rehab program as a coordinator and you're ready for a head college football coaching job, all those guys seem to get one and have done pretty well. Um, that makes sense to me. But like, where? Why can't Florida attract whoever the number one candidate is? That's they're just not that team anymore. Like you said, top ten. You'd rather you'd, you'd like to think they were better than that as a job. Okay, so a couple things. I'm going to go through the the playoff rankings here, and, and here's how their coach got there. Okay, Georgia Kirby Smart, top assistant in Alabama. Ohio yeah. State Ryan Day, assistant yeah. promoted internally. Nick yeah. Saban came from the NFL. All right, he's the exception here. Luke Fickle. What was not like it, you know, again, Cincinnati, a little bit different because they're a group of five, but still, it's not like he was the, the superstar head coach coming up either. Uh, Jim Harbour at Michigan, again, a little bit different. He, he definitely had sizzle and, and some success big in the name, NFL. And big in name, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian Kelly at Notre Dame, I believe he came from Cincinnati, so he wasn't like coming from a big name, super name program. Yeah. yeah. Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State, promoted internally. Um, Dave Aranda at Baylor. Um, you know, he was the, uh, coordinator for LSU's title team, uh, go down Lincoln Riley, Oklahoma promoted internally, Mario Cristobal, Oregon promoted internally, Mel Tucker at Michigan state was from, um, head coach at Colorado. Colorado. So, and before that he was an assistant at Georgia. It's not like, I, I, it's not but, like but at least... any program is getting the, especially the blue buds. They're not hiring guys from power five jobs it doesn't happen very much anymore rick uh jimbo leaving fsu for a&m is the exception willie taggart and and dan mullen leaving to come to the state of florida those are exceptions it just doesn't happen a lot i mean shoot yeah, michigan I... state's gonna pay mel tucker the the the, the rumor again this i don't think this has been officially signed or anything they're gonna pay him 10 uh 10 years 95 million dollars at michigan state the the northwesterns um the illinois those type of programs that used to be power, I mean, Indiana and Tom Allen might have been in the mix at some point. Jeff Brom's getting paid like five million at Purdue, and, and in theory, he could have been in this mix. But the top coaches at the lower level Power Five schools are all getting paid, 
and they don't necessarily see a need to jump to a Florida where a guy can go to three straight New Year's Six Bowls, get fired the next year, and he's gone. Look, shoot, look at Mark Stoops at Kentucky, who's done a fantastic job with the Wildcats. Beat Florida twice, which I don't know the last Kentucky coach, if there is one, and that, that beat Florida twice. Maybe like Bear or something. Um, he, in, in a normal world, go back 10 years. Yeah, of course he would, he would want to go from Kentucky to Florida. But dude's getting absolutely paid. He's, he's got a stable job where if he wins seven games a year in Kentucky every year, they might build a statue of him before it's all said and done. If he wins seven games two years in a row at Florida, he might be gone. So the, the, the money is so great at your Purdue's and Kentucky's, and the pressure is so great at your Florida's and LSU's that you, you don't need to to jump from one school to the other. Again, Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern is a good example. And I'm not, yeah. you know, I, I went to school there. I, I covered him um, as a student. He's a fantastic coach. He could do a great job. There's no doubt in my mind at Texas, USC, Notre Dame, any of them. But he stayed at Northwestern where he is getting paid. The expectations are reasonable. Um, they have you know, just built a football palace that's like $200 million or something stupid. And he can compete for, for to win the division and have a shot at, at a Big Ten championship. And that's enough for him. So, yeah, you're, you're not going to get the, – the, the days of somebody uh, at a mid-level Power 5 school immediately jumping because it's Florida or Georgia or LSU, those, that doesn't happen very much anymore. Does it happen some? Yes, absolutely. As we sit here today, I expect Dave Aranda to leave Baylor for LSU again. I'm not reporting that. That's just – what I would guess if I had to. So yes, it still happens sometimes, but it doesn't happen as much as it used to anymore. So the key is who are who would be willing to take the Florida job and make sense. And you know, maybe it is Matt Campbell who who kind of makes that move. Uh, or maybe it's Billy Napier who might be for all we know might be the next Urban Meyer in, in the way that he built Louisiana Lafayette into uh, one of the better group of five programs, beat Ohio or Iowa State a couple years ago. Maybe it's him. So I think it's not just about Florida. It's about the system and the ecosystem of college football more than anything else. Yeah, and the money has gotten too great at those other schools, like you mentioned. It, it, you know, you, you can coach there maybe until you're 70 because the expectations aren't going to eat you alive, but you're not going to make a ton less money than you would at, at the University of Florida. And guys like Ryan Day and Lincoln Riley, they were on – they were on the staffs of some pretty iconic coaches, as it turned out, Urban Meyer, Bob Stoops. I mean, you know, those guys um, – you know, were big names and and they moved on. So um, they had good coaching staffs and they promoted them and they're both doing really really well. I suppose we'll see. Um, look, they got to play Florida State. They uh, are going to do that. You know, with an interim coach. I, I don't know that it matters really at this point whether Florida were to win the game. I mean, there's there's not much at stake, but Florida State certainly could benefit, and they've been on a bit of a roll. So for them, um, this is still a big game, right? Well, it's it's still a big game for both programs. It's still Florida, Florida State. Like it, yeah. it is. Yeah. It still matters. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's why I I was a little I was a little surprised Florida fired Mullen on Sunday, just because I don't know what all you gain by starting a week early. Like if they mm-hmm. wanted to fire him after South Carolina, totally get it, completely understand. Or after Sanford, totally get it. That that was a debacle. But I thought at this point with one game left and that game is against Florida state that matters to the players matters to the boosters matters to the program matters to everybody. I might have thought that they would keep Dan for another week 
to maximize the chance of beating FSU for everything that that means. Um, I guess they determined, hey, there's no point in um, waiting when you know what you're going to do and to begin with. And then also you get uh, a head start on um, uh, coming up with a candidates list and making sure that everybody knows this job is open. So when Billy Napier is fielding other calls, you're, you're in that conversation as well. Um, but yeah, this, this is a huge game really for, for FSU. I mean, to think of where they were a couple, a couple months ago after the Jacksonville State debacle, to go from that to where they are right now with a chance to go to a bowl, I, I don't know why Florida's favored in this game. I really don't. Um, so for FSU to make that progress and then be able to, the chance to, the serious chance to cap it off with a win over the rival, uh, to beat an FS, uh, excuse me, to beat Miami and Florida in the same year, go to a bowl and get all that developmental time, which is huge for a young team and a, a young coaching staff. FSU is in a, in a pretty good place. I mean, they're 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 more stable than anybody else in the state, which is a stunning thing to say. But here we are. Well, it, everybody, I'm going to watch. It's going to be. I still love it when Florida and Florida State go at each other because those kids know each other. Obviously, a lot of them recruited by both programs, and it's it's usually a very competitive game. Although you're right, I'm not sure why Florida is favored. Um, we'll have to see how that one turns out. It is rivalry weekend, though, and there are plenty of other games to talk about. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. One that I think will have national championship implications, no doubt about it, is Michigan and Ohio State. It's been a while. Obviously, Harbaugh has never beaten the Buckeyes. This might be his best chance. Um, I still don't. I still don't think they're going to do it. Um, Matt, what, what do you make of this matchup? Yeah, I still don't think they're going to do it either. Um, maybe there's a chance if they can rattle C.J. Stroud and, and, and you know with Aiden Hutchinson, the, the DN, who's one of the better defensive players in the country, maybe they can get after him. Maybe their good backs can find a way to, to puncture Ohio State the way Ohio State's defense kind of got hit a little bit early on. But Ohio State's got... I mean, just an elite receiving core. Travion Henderson, their running back, is fantastic. I think Ohio State's got too many weapons. And I look, Georgia's the best team in the country. I feel pretty uh, safe saying that. Ohio State might not be that far behind them at this point, the way they're playing. Yeah, they've been playing really, really well, putting up a lot of points as their quarterback and their wide receivers are outstanding. They've got quite a few targets they can throw to. Uh, before we get too far away from the state, speaking of rivalries, the war on I-4, uh, you know, USF, in terms of firing, they they had some staff changes as well. This is a big recruiting, you know, f- fertile ground for both teams uh, that, that battle for that. So, boy, it would be a great way for USF to finish the season if they could beat Central Florida. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm curious to see what that defense looks like after firing uh, defensive coordinator Glenn Spencer over the weekend. USF had been making progress. Like you could see the baby steps along the way. It, it did not show up in, in them winning, uh, aside from uh, Temple and, and then the um, FAMU. But 
you could see them getting better. And then they lay an egg at Tulane. Um, you know, I was driving from St. Louis over to Columbia to, to cover the um, Florida Mizzou. Then I kind of walk around the stadium a little bit, checking stuff out. Because um, this guy had never been before. We want to see what it's like. Then I check my phone and see USF is down like it was a 35 to 7 or something. Like, what the heck happened here? <laughs> um, it, it was a, for all the progress USF had made, it, yeah. I don't want to say it disappeared, but they, they, they looked clueless on defense. They looked clueless on offense. They didn't know where the ball was going, going so they couldn't stop it. Um, there were times when the receiver and quarterback did not look like they were on the same page. It was just, it was just bad. It's bad enough to make you kind of pause about what the direction is that they're going. What that means going forward is USF needs a good performance against UCF. No question. Um, they need something positive to, to end the season on. Of course, it would be nice for the Bulls if they won, but e- even just being very competitive against UCF would be a, yeah. maybe a sign of progress that they're moving in the right direction as they come into this very, I mean, just pivotal offseason for Jeff Scott in terms of recruiting, in terms of the transfer portal, in terms of whatever he's going to have to do with his staff, because obviously he's got one uh, high-profile position to, to fill, and we'll see what else happens as well. So it, it's pivotal that... USF figures something out and shows some semblance of positivity to end this season on to get people excited about the Bulls' future. Uh, you want to leave a good last impression. Finally, I'll get you out on this one, Matt. Um, Cincinnati finally broke through, uh, ranked number four uh, in the college football playoffs. Can they hold it? What do they have to do? They had a big win over SMU. They finally looked like they deserved it. I mean, there were times earlier this year, obviously the win over Notre Dame, well, it was nice, but I mean, we talked about it on here. I was critical of Cincinnati because I saw them hang around, you know, let a USF team that's not very good hang around, just like they did Navy, just like they did Tulsa. So for Cincinnati to go out and thump a good SMU team the way they did, that that is a team that's worthy of being in the playoff. Like if if things had broken a certain way and Cincinnati had gotten in, um, even without dominating, just because. You know, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State and those guys beat themselves up, then, then fine. But I also, like I said uh, last week or the week before, Cincinnati did not d- have to be there. They didn't, you know, it wasn't going to be a travesty if they got left out. But if they play the way they did against SMU, they've got East Carolina this week, Houston next week for the, the, uh, the conference title. If they play like that, they absolutely deserve to be in the playoff, period, regardless of what else happens. Um, are, I suppose there's probably a scenario out there where they could lose one of those games and still get in, or really lose this week and still get in. Um, if Oklahoma and Oklahoma State like split the next two games, and you know Bama gets blown out by by Georgia or something, maybe there's some scenarios. But the important one is this: if they win out, I think at this point they are going to be in, and uh, I think it's, it's great for the sport to have somebody who's not. Oklahoma, Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama, to have somebody new in the playoff. And the fact that it is a group of five team is significant as well. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think that if I had to put money right now, I would think Cincinnati's in the playoff. And, and I don't know that they're going to be able to win a game, let alone two, but that doesn't matter. I think it's wonderful that if, the, if it shakes out this way, that we'll have somebody new in to, 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 uh, to watch in the playoff, either in the Cotton Bowl or in the Orange Bowl. Their their prize could be Alabama or Georgia, and you just don't know how that's all going to shake out. But 
Certainly, maybe Ohio State even. Um, certainly good for, to see them break through because it is, it is history in the making. He's Matt Baker, and uh, I can't believe we're at the end of the regular season in college football. It just seems to have flown by. Have a great Thanksgiving, Matt. Safe travels uh, up to Gainesville for Florida, Florida State, and we'll be reading you in the Tampa Bay Times. Sure. Thanks, Rick. All right, we're uh, going to get you prepared for the Bucks and the Colts tomorrow. Tom Brady will have his uh, chance to uh, talk to us, uh, even though it's, it is Thanksgiving Day. We'll talk to him today and have that for you on tomorrow. And then also we'll get into this subject, uh, the giant, enormous, ginormous contract that the Rays have uh, given or Wander Franco has earned. Um, their young uh, infielder is uh, breaking the bank, as they say over there uh, at uh, at the race. And so we want to get into that and, and discuss whether that was a good move, great move, uh, or will the Rays maybe move with them? Maybe that had something to do with the cash that they plan on, on earning for Wander. But uh, absolutely a stunning contract for him as well. So all of that, I want to wish you uh, each and every one, thanks for listening and have a great Thanksgiving. We have a lot to be thankful for. We're thankful for all our listeners and those of you who have made this podcast what it is today, uh, a very uh, successful uh, endeavor, and we enjoy doing it and bringing it to you. We just want you to have a safe and happy holiday, and we will be back here on Friday. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great Thanksgiving, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.